0: Tech Podcast, episode 35, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is your co-host, John. How are you today, John? Hibiscus. <laughs> that's it, your new thing. Yeah, I like
1: it. I And I actually noticed that Chris Barry today, I was like, it's podcasting. Chris Barry was sent in the Hibiscus, so that's nice.
0: Oh, perfect.
1: In the Slack. I said, I said, um, on the Slack... It's podcast day. What should we talk about today? And George Jones said, Snapchat IPO, please, unless already beaten to death, although one step closer to fruition. And then Dave Dean said, Also, would like you to talk about the tech gear that you'd recommend to help prepare for the up and coming apocalypse. And then Chris Barry said, Hibiscus.
0: <laughs> My tech. Gear guide for the apocalypse is a tinfoil hat <laughs> and some, some, some good shoes. How's your weather? <laughs> Maybe some water. It's good. It's warming up here finally. I'm ready for the summer again, even though I just had summer in New Zealand. That's probably not fair for me to say. We didn't have any winter. How's New York?
1: <laughs> no snow, no nothing. It's beautiful. Yeah, my windows are wide open right now. I think I was thinking about turning the air conditioning on.
0: Climate change is fake. I don't. Really. I don't believe
1: in climate change. And then this morning, what? I'm. <laughs> oh god. This morning, <laughs> take it back. I got interviewed by the Economist magazine. What? Yeah, talking about Why? Internet of Things security. Damn,
0: you're a celebrity, man. <coughs> no. Going on all these media publications. Maybe. Um. So, sneak sneak
1: sneaking of Snapchat Jackers.
0: I feel like this is the first topic every week. It's like a tradition. Snapchat, Snap as a
1: Word on the street is they're one step closer to an IPO. IPO this week. Yeah. Do well, Do you have Do you have the Slack open on your um in front of you? I do have it, but I
0: don't know where you send me this. It's just stuff. go
1: into the into the um podcast channel. And there you will see that scroll scroll up one or two scrolls and you'll see that I took the information from the tech publication, the information, and surmised it as (laughs) seven lines of the actual just like facts from the story. So Mm. when you're ready,
0: three, two, one. $2 per user. What? (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. This is crazy. You have to read read it. it. It's crazy. Which one? All of them, just the lines. Oh the, video, oh, the video bit is crazy. Snapchat confirmed that its videos get 10 billion views a day, but Facebook confirms 8 billion views a day. To be a view, Facebook requires three seconds of more of the video being on the screen, while Snapchat is any video that comes onto the screen no matter how long it's watched for.
1: Over the course of 2016, Snapchat Snapchat generated about $2.70 per active user. By comparison, across Facebook apps, Facebook generates somewhere less than $4 per user. (laughs) That's the most most useless fact ever. Okay, but they have the revenue numbers up a little higher.
0: My my favorite useless acronym that startups use is ARPU. What is ARPU? (laughs) It's such a... Average revenue per user. ARPU. <laughs> Such a stupid statistic. I only really care about, like,
1: ARR. Aggregated re- yeah. Reoccurring Revenue.
0: That and daily active users is pretty interesting. That's, that's a pretty... It says a lot.
1: I guess if you're a media property, it does. True.
0: Well, if you're anybody in the advertising industry, a.k.a. Snapchat or Facebook or... Whoever.
1: So to the facts, Snapchat has roughly 40 million daily active users. User growth. No, 160 million. Oh, sorry, 160 million. What did I say? Yes,
0: 40. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the fake news here, man. How did I do that,
1: <laughs> man? My dyslexia is crazy. Uh,
0: well, the next line says they generated 400 million in revenue. Oh yeah, in 2016. Hmm. Okay, user so. growth
1: in the second half of last year was slower than during the first half of last year, and the goal for 2017 is to generate a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it generated 390 million in change in 2016. So, so, but it was really interesting because someone brought up a really interesting point in the Oh yeah, Uh, Robert, he, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's a very, um, very smart dude. And he said, Snapchat has some of the worst content. Is its advertising content global or is it user um, targeted? And my understanding is, well, global, but regional, right? I think if you're a, if you, I think if you're an advertiser, you Mm -hmm. can log in, pick a region. Like I want to put this video only to people in New York and then upload the video. But outside of that, I don't think that they have any more segmented or granular uh, demographic uh, uh, kind of
0: stuff. It's really dumbed down. It's like a crap RSS reader, but full of tits because it's clickbait.
1: Lander Jensen said... Snapchat ads are comparable with TV ads, and that's absolutely true, right? Like, you, the way that you really, as an advertiser, need to think about Snapchat is you have basically the granularity of your markets, and then, but even on TV, at least you can be like, well, I'm going to put, you know, Pampers on on the parent channels, or... uh, And you
0: can... Can't
1: skip the ads. Yeah. Well, with Tivo's slash the mute button, you can. But yeah, you can't skip. That's the ads. true.
0: But you know what I mean. Like on Snapchat, you literally have almost the time to thumb getting on the screen to get their attention. That's not long. Yeah. I mean, like I, even even on other people's Snapchat stories, I thumb through them. So how is an ad going to stop me? Yeah. There's. I
1: almost near never watch a Snapchat ad. Your your first like second of a Snapchat. I've never ad, seen one. Oh, they're terrible. Like. Oh, you don't get served them, or you just...
0: No, there's no... I've never seen an ad in Europe, so I guess they haven't launched them here yet. Oh, really?
1: I wonder if I can get one. Yeah. Uh, just basically what how it works here is you're like, you load up Snapchat, and then when you're clicking through, like, you know how, okay, you know in Snapchat, you can click all the people's names and then hit play? Right. Instead of...
0: Which is a super annoying.
1: No no no. Like you can actually like if you click on their avatar, it puts a little check mark next to them. Have you ever Yeah, I know okay. that Okay. So you click their avatar, it puts the check mark next to them, and then you just start watching them and then you hit play, right? So it's gonna do them all in order. But then um usually let's see. Is is my old butt.
0: <laughs> Listen live as John watches. Well and usually m'pargner les
1: trucs un peu obscene, ça m'arrange.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, anyway, so no the most interesting oh, part is, is, of is. the
1: uh TurboTax advert. File Your Max- taxes for zero
0: dollars. No. Swipe up to get the free app now. Did you hear that? That sounded terrible. Has yeah, a TurboTax TurboTax in Snapchat? E- really? E- it's not even the right advertisers. I don't know. And they're already getting TurboTax. I wouldn't use TurboTax because I am not long on Snapchat, John. Aww. My favorite part of the IPO text is actually how addicted people are. That's a pretty interesting stat itself. That is the average user spends twenty-five minutes a day using Snapchat, but they open it up eighteen times that a day. Is some FOMO. Now, I I have a. I was immediately thinking of why that would be, and it must be because people are adding photos so much, though. Like, you can't import still. So surely that number's going to be higher. I mean, it's not surprising.
1: Well, I don't know. Like, basically, if I'm bored or, like, in between things or, like, commuting, because Snapchats are so, like... Okay, it. T- if I was to get in a cab and take it from Union Square to my office, which is where I got off the subway, it's a... It, in really good traffic, it can be like an 11 to 12 minute, maybe 13 minute cab ride. I, like how many, right. I could watch a bazillion Snapchats in that time because they're 30 minutes long. Right. And I only follow 15 people on Snapchat. So, and they're all always, maybe I follow 20 people on Snapchat. Like th- they're all always uploading random different things throughout the day. So like right. there, there's these periods throughout the day, like as I get to the subway stop, I'll usually open Snapchat, like f- thumb through quick okay this person snapchatted this person snapchatted this person snapchatted i want to see what this person is doing okay watch these two or three oh subway's here okay put my audiobook on get off the subway watch four or five that's another and that's like another and that's another um but if you think wait a second what did they say an average of 25 minutes divided by 18 times of opening the app that makes sense one minute and 30 seconds per open yeah totally
0: well I stopped using Snapchat completely, so. Oh, that's why you hate it. Honestly, I just I just don't get it anymore. It's it's after a while, filling the bottle of Snapchat gets boring, and you know the new design is not great. It's weird. They added the search bar that doesn't go away. All right, let's
1: do, Ah, quickly. Questions from the Slack. Oh, this
0: is early in the cast to do questions from the Slack. Yeah, I think
1: it's good to like switch it up. I'll do my call later. All right. All right. What have we got? Um, questions from the Slack. What is the role of the CEO when it comes to socio political issues in Trump and or in tech and science? The Trump administration seems to have created a massive shift, especially after the executive order on immigration. Do they try their best to shift and shape policy like Elon Musk um, tries to be, albeit, tries to do, albeit at the potential cost of reputation and potentially fail? Or do they resist uh, Lyft and Nike come to mind?
0: And Amazon.
1: Yep. Uh, What's the next big IPO after Snapchat? Oh, that's an easy, well, probably easy for both of us. Do you have something that comes to mind? Actually, no. <laughs> Dropbox or Pintre- is, Dropbox what? and Pinterest are ripe. I don't
0: think Dropbox is going to IPO. Ever? I don't know if they can perform well enough in the public market, and I think they know it.
1: Well, I know they're, the investors in those two companies must be getting itchy, so...
0: Well, they must want it, but I don't know if it's a good idea, I guess, is what I'm thinking. What was the other one you were thinking?
1: Dropbox, Pinterest is really ripe for an IPO.
0: Oh, yeah, Pinterest is... And I think they do, they do for pretty it.
1: good revenue.
0: Yeah, I think so. The ads are pretty effective, although it's pretty late in the game for them. I wonder if they're still on the up and up or not. No,
1: I think that you think that we don't hear about Pinterest because they do fine. You know, the people that use them use yeah, them. Yeah, that's true. They've got re- a tech really, really smart. Not paying attention to it. Yeah, and they've got a really smart model for generating ads. Right, every board is usually about a subject you can advertise within someone's board. Like like the thing about Pinterest is it is the most amazing way to serve targeted adverts because you know it the whole most Yeah, most people use Pinterest to pin things they like, would like aspirational, like it's you know, planning my wedding on Twitter, if
0: you're if you're tweeting on Twitter about neo Nazis, that's not what you want to see. (laughs) Like you know (laughs) anyway so back to the first question about tech CEOs what do you think about that I mean you're in America so you're probably the most qualified for that right now
1: well um well with this week it's been crazy right so I guess I'll give it to you in two main contexts that I can which is DigitalOcean and then the company that I'm actually CEO of today at DigitalOcean um we Almost always tried to get involved in shaping policy where we were able to or where um, people asked us, which wasn't really that frequently because for the most part, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, Google, um, and then like... Facebook and Intel and some other players kind of take the lead on that stuff in the web. And I can't think of an instance where we ever, where anything ever happened in the world and we had an executive meeting where we didn't agree with the direction that one of our colleagues at one of those companies was pushing. So when that happens, like for the most part... Uh, you can just kind of let someone else do your bidding for you. Um, And then you sort of just try and influence those people. Um, And I think kind of the rule of thumb in the industry is like the biggest three or four, like it's not like tech CEOs and CEOs generally don't talk to each other. And especially, you know, it's, it's, it's businesses is not super unfriendly. And so, and it's, and when it comes to stuff like, you know, like, you think about the market, you get... It's a pen, right? And we play within the pen. And, like, it's it's my job to play in that pen and within the rules defined by the government and the law and then, you know, the morality and ethics of the markets you're addressing and stuff like that. And that's your pen. And the only people that can really fuck with your pen too much are are the governments or the the people themselves within it, right? Like, the market you're addressing. And so... You know, right, n- n- and that's what's no, happening right no now. No tech CEO who's play, wrestling in the same pen wants the floor to turn into lava. Right. Like, so we're all, everyone's going to get on the phone, fo- <laughs> like everyone's going to get on the phone and say, you know, no, like, you know, you know, you're the, you, you're the biggest two and we're not going to follow along if they do this. So you guys go talk about it. And if you have a problem, come talk to us and we'll come too, and like, we'll get our lawyers involved as well. And that's why you see these pile on signatures and stuff like that, because like at the end of the day, like the rules of the game have to be relatively fair and equal and understood and stuff like that. Right. So, so
0: banning, banning people from seven countries is not fair. <laughs> well, so I
1: think that's, that's but basically a
0: what you're saying is tech CEOs should take a stand when something affects their pen app. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Not yeah otherwise. But not otherwise. No,
1: I like, I don't think, well, not, that's not true. Like, well, okay, no, not well, not as not as directly way, as that. For your example, personal... no, yeah, you know, I guess it's true too. Because for example, you know, I have three hundred employees. Some of them are transgendered. Some of them are gay. Some of them are like whatever, right? Like you know, there's right, all so the you shades have to choose. The so yeah, on all those things, you're going to do the CEOs who really understand business and understand that the human asset of the business needs to be pr- protected and taken care of uh, to to uh this the same or greater degree of your intellectual property your capital assets your your market share in order to defend the position of returning um to your shareholders which at the end of the day as the ceo of a company is your that is your job is to to run run the business and and organize the people in the company of people to generate revenue and address a market for to return to shareholders. And so if if my best like taking a very like, you know, black and white kind of um, non feelings Uh kind of view at it, if my best best data scientist who gives my business the best competitive advantage happens to be transgender and is going to go work um, at the company next door because I can't put a fucking sign that says that they can use whichever bathroom that they want. Well, that's ridiculous, right? right? And And so as a CEO, I'm going to say, I'm going to push, I would push on that legislation and I would say, you know, there's, there's no way that you're going to be able to affect my employees and, and make an, an environment where to fuck with my environment, right? Like this is my thing. But, and right. so I think on those things, you really do have to, you have to take a stance and I, I must say Salesforce CEO, Mark, Mark Benioff, right. Since his name does a wonderful job of this. And he should be very well commended and praised for the way that he is a very thoughtful man about his company. And Tim Cook is the same way. Um, and so, you know, I don't really give a shit if some left wing, you know, person thinks I shouldn't have that opinion and shouldn't express it. And, you know, I should, my job is to, right, right. is to run the company and whatever. Nah, I don't care if I offend you. I don't care if that costs the reputation of our business or anything like that, <laughs> whatever. So that, there's that. Now the other thing is, so
0: I think it's a personal stance and a company stance is what you have to well, look out what, for. And it's hard to, what's in the best be interest of, to, of,
1: of your business and your people at large. And then that's what you right, have so to do. I'm,
0: I'm sure that like in, in, there's a big there's a big debate right now about how Twitter should shut off Donald Trump on Twitter which is the most ridiculous. That's actually a thing debate because can you Im- yeah, can you even imagine like it doesn't make sense from a business point of view that would be suicide. Like I'm sure maybe Jack wants to do it but that's not Feasible at all. Also,
1: why are they, why is everyone all of a sudden not for free speech? Only when it's convenient. John. I know, I'm sorry. It's like the other, the other thing, like, you know, I'm, I'm a like nice dude and everything. I don't like that Milos, Yaka, Yoro, whatever his name is, the, Ugh. what's his name? The crazy Brett Bart. Uh, yeah. Y- y-
0: yeah. Y- yeah and, but
1: I, <laughs> but I take issue with Berkeley students saying that he can't go and talk on Berkeley. Berkeley was the school that like spawned the free free speech movement. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to protest right, right. someone talking like, you know, and I, and, and he, he may have a really ugly stance, but I don't think that he is so far into the realm of hate speech. And so anyway, that's a different thing altogether. Just finish up on that question. Sorry. Do they resist? I really think resisting is where that's the wrong, th- like the only place I will resist. So The only place I'll resist in a business is when we're defending the rights of our customers. That is to say that when you serve... Not even
0: the rights of your staff? Or staff,
1: but yeah, but I mean like... There's a subtle line between trying to shape and trying to resist, right? I mean, and these are different types of policies too, right? And so where you're talking about where you have the ability to shift and shape policy, it's where you're invited into the room and it's things like...
0: Well, that's the Elon yeah, Musk situation. And stuff
1: like that. Where you're resisting pro- policy is actually usually on straight up s- social issues, right? I mean, and then... So, and that's we're, like,
0: we're going to deport people of certain religions from the U.S., right?
1: or or can this person use a bathroom or not use a bathroom or you know or whatever right but when but 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 coming to the table and not having a conversation never seems to go well and i think i still believe that uber and lyft and airbnb are going to have challenges at the municipal level in the way that they have resisted doing a good job of figuring out how to come to the tables with with policymakers and shaping policy on, um, the types of, of regulation and legislation that the, their businesses, um, just kind of fly close to the, um, sun in, in their, uh, right. right. Kind of,
0: but that's a naivety in tech as well. Right. Anyway, so that's well, questions from the I think, audience. I think these limits are going to get tested a lot. The Elon Musk thing we mentioned was, um, just for context's sake is he, somewhat heartlessly suggested that maybe we should only assess this on the facts and I'll present them to the president because he's one of the few that's lucky enough to be in the room with Trump's advisory board, which is convenient given his companies, SpaceX, SolarCity, Tesla, are the most at risk of being killed by a climate change denier. So (laughs) interesting times. True. On that note, one more question from the Slack, actually. It's a short one. What will Facebook copy next from Snapchat? And I like the addition to this in the crappy Snapchat uh, Slack-threaded comments. How far will Facebook go down this path, i.e. would they copy Snapchat's hardware? Good question. I would totally believe they they would. Okay, this isn't directly related, but there was another information story this month about how Facebook's been testing the patience of its users in order to see how bad it would get if they got kicked out of the Google Play Store. Because apparently google and facebook have been at uh at at knuckleheads like what's the term you know like they're 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 really struggling to come to terms with the fact that facebook is basically the biggest app in the app store and it's trying to uh to break out of the rules and google has threatened to ban them a couple of times and so facebook has been doing all sorts of stuff to try and see what it would have to do to distribute itself if it was suddenly unavailable on the app store it's crazy they were like talking about things like on samsung phones it has a special background service that it can distribute itself to all samsung phones again if it's removed from the google play store they implemented a feature that uh, if somebody around you has a facebook app they can beam it to you over bluetooth so you can install it all sorts of crazy shit and i'm just like thinking about it i was like holy shit facebook will not back down on this whole Snapchat thing. This is only the beginning. And even if Snapchat IPOs, Facebook won't rest until it's over, I don't think. I'm sure they're working on something like Snapchat Spectacles long before it launched. You think so? It wouldn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Oculus is a... I think Oculus is a, only a starting point for that kind of thing. Oh, it's not in the... Facebook oh, yeah, it has is. A,
1: Speaking of Oculus, that's what you need to go do next. Yeah, that's,
0: that's in the Trello. We'll come to that next. But... What I'm saying is I think Facebook would totally go down the augmented reality path. So, I don't know. I I wouldn't put it past them to release some sort of augmented reality glasses type thing. That'd be cool. Yeah. Or even just glasses with a camera on it. I'd totally believe it. I'm sure there's at least one prototype internally and Mark Zuck's like, "Mm, Spiegel might be onto us if we release this. I think Facebook will go far enough to really, really hurt Snapchat, but not... I was going to say not quite to the point where it's explicit enough, but they've already done that, so <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a hard topic, I think. I think they're going to keep copying them for the foreseeable future. Anything Snapchat does, I imagine Facebook will emulate it pretty fast now.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: But Snapchat hasn't shipped anything recently, so there's been nothing to copy. Interesting times. Shall we talk about Facebook and Oculus? All right. I'm game. I think this is hilarious. They lost the lawsuit. They lost a huge lawsuit, half a billion dollars to John Carmack for the most lawless reasons. Because he copied and pasted source source code and googled how to wipe his hard drive, and then wiped his hard drive. Wait, what?
1: I didn't read that part.
0: (laughs) Oh man, you should read this whole thing. the 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 accusations basically. So Facebook got ordered to pay John Carmack's previous employer five hundred million dollars in damages for stealing
1: Oculus which to where explaining who john carmack is
0: john carmack is one of the inventors of the oculus rift he's the original programmer basically along with palmer lucky and a few others he is the one that created oculus rift and got it on kickstarter and got it so big but before he joined or created oculus he worked at a company called id uh, which had another department which was creating vr prototypes and basically the whole thing revolves around supposedly what he did is he copied all the VR files off network shares onto a, a USB drive <laughs> and then left the company and started Oculus recycling some of that code. Where it starts getting hairy is like, okay, what does that actually mean? Like recycling code is always... Or how does ZeniMax come into it? That is that is part of the ID software collaboration that was working on VR. Oh, okay. So that's, that's that company. He stole that data from that company. And the, it just gets, gets crazier and crazier. Like they basically, can I just like load it and read it out? Because it's well, just. Well, it's
1: weird because the article I read said that the jury didn't find them um, liable for misappropriation of trade secrets. They got, it was $200 million for breaking an NDAO and $50 million for copyright infringement.
0: Yeah. So this is this is from the um, the judgment. There was a documented stream of computer code and other technical assistance flowing from ZeniMax to Oculus over the next six months. Oculus, in writing, acknowledged getting critical source code from ZeniMax and using it without permission. Carmack intentionally destroyed data on his computer after he got notice of this litigation and immediately Googled how to wipe a hard drive and destroyed data five minutes afterwards. Nice one. <laughs> and it gets worse. When he quit ID software, Carmack admitted he secretly downloaded 10,000 documents and the ID VR engine onto a USB drive, which he then uploaded to his computer. <laughs> it just gets it just gets crazier and crazier. He he actually I I mean, they they're saying they're gonna appeal it, rah, 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 rah. He actually uh just wrote on Facebook like an hour ago, just before we started recording this podcast, about how uh court-appointed juries will never be able to understand, which I kind of agree with, and you know, the the other side uh hiring an expert to give an opinion isn't really relevant because they're paid to give that opinion. But still, he did all of that stuff. So what's going on?
1: You know, I've always found that lucky guy really weird.
0: Yeah, he's not involved in this. But Palmer Lucky is a weird guy. He's a neo-Nazi. Like he's. he's what do you like, mean he's not involved uh, he, in this? Didn't he get ordered to pay some money too? So John Carmack is basically like defending himself on Facebook it says, today, saying, saying that each
1: have to pay fifty million each for false designation.
0: Yeah, I'm sure because they were all co-founders. Can you mute your computer so I don't have I don't to edit it out? I don't know which out?
1: computer is making this sound. It's really bothering me. <laughs> I, I need to like... Oh, I'm gonna, oh shit,
0: Just do, do not disturb. Oh, good idea. Um,
1: That's it. That's what I need to do. Smart man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure because they were basically colluding on it uh, in the first place. The whole thing is absurd. He argues that... He didn't directly address the fact that he stole data, but he argues that it's easy to accidentally recreate a p- computer program, which is technically true when you're developing. It's easy to recreate the way a function works, but that's not the same as copying and pasting bits of code, which is what the... Uh, Copyright part of it was the, about. The lawsuit accused, they actually copied and pasted ZeniMax code. So, the problem is, you could have just recoded it in the same way. That's what, that's what he argues, but... In the, in the actual lawsuit, they assert that they literally admitted to copying and pasting bits from the code base. So it's a bit of like they said one thing, he says another. Imagine yeah, that he like, meant that he fishy. copy
1: and pasted something out of an open source project that was the same open source project and the jury didn't understand what that meant. Yep. Imagine that'd be so funny.
0: Exactly. Anyway, it's just absurd uh and that's i think that's going to really hurt facebook half a billion dollars i mean zuck doesn't care that's pocket change but it's still bad Uh, with everything else that oculus has been through it's very clear that valve and the htc Vive have a huge chance to actually win this thing it's like scandal after scandal for facebook right now do
1: you have your um do you have your facebook open no can you and Can you read out loud my most recent status update, please?
0: I love how Tim Cook sucks and Apple has lost its touch and it's over and the company is going to fail and people who use Photoshop are single-handedly going to bankrupt the business because they are going to abandon the map. This is this is like the best right ever. And move to a new platform because the function keys are now a screen and today the company posted a quarterly revenue record of $78.4 <laughs> from John. And I commented multiple things at a diluted share value of three dollars and 30 we'll we we'll circle back to that <laughs> record lows <laughs> two things from me you would expect a result like this at the start of a new technology that hasn't been updated for four years i think we can agree on that either way you'd have a s- russian sales but the mac is not relevant enough anyway uh i also wrote down da- wrote that it's a record quarter. The quarter was actually two weeks longer because Apple adjusted it for the first time ever, which gives them an extra two weeks of revenue, which at the most critical time of the year makes it look pretty damn good. All right,
1: well, what was their, what were they up? Weren't they
0: up like uh, $10 billion you, so dollars remove, or something
1: crazy? So even half
0: of that. If you remove those two weeks, they're down this year on the quarter last year.
1: They're down this year on the quarter last year.
0: This like year over year, they're down on the same quarter because last year's quarter was shorter. If you remove those two weeks
1: and adjust and readjust revenue, a great
0: accounting trick. I don't know if
1: that's a fair yes. comparison, but anyway,
0: I mean it is. It's not fair to add two weeks to your quarter and then say, "Oh, we made a record quarter." It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so now, now John and I have a wager. Yes, hundred bucks good. that next year, Apple's going to begin a quarterly decline. Well. Read the
1: whole thing. You said, "I said, I bet you a hundred dollars that I bet you a hundred dollars Apple does this qu- uh does this every quarter this year. So Apple every quarter this year posts a record quarter.
0: I wouldn't wager on that is what I said back, but I would wager that next year they don't post a quarter on quarter growth. I imagine it'll be a loss. So we're betting on that a hundred bucks next year. And I said, uh, and then I said." And then I said... This is good. Uh, please bring this up on the podcast. But any iPhone is dead bullshit is super overhyped. And then John said, iPhone is dead hype being bullshit is why I'll put your $100 on 2018 Also, so. next year, I might be buying John dinner. And
1: the reason that I said that is that 20 the, the next iPhone to come out is the 10-year anniversary iPhone, which is why I think that they will which once again post yearly to not over even year... Exist
0: amazing it's returns rumored to not even exist they are what if they just release an iphone 7 they 7? are gonna release yes.
1: a spaceship owen and then i'm gonna make you a spaceship take me out for $100 it's gonna look like dinner. a
0: tiny ufo hundred dollar dinner oh, i can't wait i love it have you already decided where we're going uh uh emmy squared pizza great so i do <laughs> i do have one uh, topic i want to talk about on the topic of apple the latest leak, oh, I hate talking about leaks, but I do want to talk about this just briefly, is that Apple is working secretly on adding a ARM coprocessor to the MacBook alongside the Intel chip and a bit of a transitionary move away from Intel. They're gonna offload some functions of the processor off to that chip when the computer's in low power mode. Super interesting because for like at least 10 years, Apple's been rumored to be trying to ditch Intel and maybe it's gonna happen. It would make sense, actually. If you want like the best power gains, you want the best efficiency and you want the most processing power at very low voltages, ARM is the way to go. Yep. Then everybody will argue that it's not possible. But do you remember the time that Apple used to run on PowerPC and then they shifted yep. to Intel yep. and like they it just did it? Dope. Like everybody woke up one day and it worked. Yep. Like that's just how it was. It's going to happen. Anyway, that's the rumor. We'll see you later this year. Do you want to call
1: somebody? I wanted you to talk about um, Slack Enterprise before I called anyone, though.
0: It's a fun one, actually. Yeah. So Slack is finally ready for big Fortune 500 companies, which is pretty cool. And I, I guess the reason I thought it was interesting is they didn't attack it from the kind of like make stupid startup tool work for giant companies strategy. You know, like it's all like Snap Snapchat. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's late this week for me it's all like slack you can't just shove it into fifty thousand users and say like here use this it doesn't scale at all slack falls apart at like i don't know 500 people already um so the new enterprise product basically it lets admins create multiple slack teams within a slack team overall and share channels between them and it's actually genius so you have your sales team and one giant slack and you have your marketing team and another and then they can have mutual channels where they can all work together really really smart quite a secure way to do it and it means there's less noise for everybody there's less channel craziness i imagine for it it's probably pretty hard to manage but i actually think it'll be a good way to work together in the future I think I think Slack will be used by all the Fortune 500 companies eventually. Yeah, I think so. Huh. What do you think they're going to use instead? Yammer, <laughs> which is what they're all using now, by the way. Really? So Microsoft. Dude, so yeah. Yammer, yeah,
1: there there we go. Yammer is Microsoft, so they'll transition them onto yep. the Microsoft thing.
0: Yeah, well, there is Microsoft has a Slack clone called Microsoft for Teams, but damn, it's not good. It looks pretty, but. I don't think they thought about it at scale like Slack did. I'm I'm long on Snapchat. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm long on Slack because I think they've thought it through well enough that this will work out. But you're right. It is an uphill battle for these companies that are already just using Microsoft shit. They're not going to want to move. But the biggest question is more, are these Fortune 500 companies already in the midst of moving to stuff like Google Apps and all that kind of thing, because I think then they're more open to using something like Slack. And I think that is happening. So I think Slack has got to play a bit of a more long game there, but I do think that they will get the more progressive 500, Fortune 500 companies pretty fast. And they're all looking for a tool that organizes their employees better and makes them use less email. That's what everybody wants. Yeah. Nobody wants email. Do you think that's true and Slack too, huh? kind of solves that. Oh, man. I think companies realize that for a long time email has been this like de facto communication method and I don't think you can ever get rid of email but I do think it's used in the wrong way a lot of the time it's used as a task list, it's used as a chat tool, it's used for quick informational updates, it doesn't make sense it's like shoehorned into everything and I think big companies are starting to realise that as a team you can be more efficient with a chat tool, that said, it is a big struggle still a lot of CEOs and CTOs and everything actually see Slack as distracting. Have you tried you know, that
1: old? Have you tried the? Um, have you tried the Microsoft version of Slack?
0: It looks pretty. It didn't seem very functional, but I only tried a very early version. Oh,
1: you did! So you were like a insider, you might say.
0: I mean, I used to be a journalist, but. It looks promising. I look. I think that Microsoft has its shit together with its SaaS offerings these days. So Slack should be scared. But the biggest question for me is, do businesses even want to use Microsoft tools anymore? I don't know. I I only see a slice from startups to medium businesses and all of those do not want to use Microsoft anymore. They're all desperately moving away from it to Google Apps and all that kind of thing. But bigger businesses don't feel that way, I don't think. So it's more a question of, will that that slide eventually happen upstream a lot of tech people argue it won't but i would argue that eventually that rubs off on all of them and nobody wants to be using microsoft office 2016 to schedule their calendar appointments in a desktop app on a windows computer and i don't know it just doesn't seem like an ideal world to me still it's getting better but it's not great and on the other side of things google apps is sexy and it works and it's fast you know and you can use it from anywhere I love it when this happens. It's always a question if they'll answer or not. Yeah, it's always a tough one. Oh. Your call has been forwarded. Oh, I just got a text
1: from them and they said, what's up? Give me one minute. So I'm not going to tell you.
0: Oh, so we have to talk for a minute about something
1: else. Uh, oh, I noticed you had immigration letter on the Slack, but I guess we already covered that.
0: That's a crazy situation nonetheless. It feels like it's been a big week. Remember last week where I was like, oh God, everything's overwhelming. It just keeps happening. (laughs) That's true. Twitter is, I would say, uh, not handleable by humans right now. Just the amount of sheer shit going on. This is like what the living day, in a hyper-connected like, world is like.
1: I really admire that yeah. you don't use uh, Twitter anymore. Yeah, I'm really jealous and really? envious, yeah.
0: Wow, that's awesome. How does it feel experiencing this whole election and all the outcry not using Twitter? I is there any outcry in your world? <laughs> see,
1: so it's really interesting.
0: You so, must see a certain slice of
1: stuff. Well, no. Well, basically... I feel a lot, like, I'm not that stressed, like, I'm not that stressed out because my Twitter is just going, like, reading the news or reading some news articles and, like, so everywhere, which, which cumulatively over the course of a day could be an hour of, like, Twitter, like, checking, like, just random stuff, I now spend that hour additionally, on top of the time that I used to spend before already, like doing news and like reading opinions and columns and stuff like that. So I feel way more informed, therefore way less anxious. I feel just equally as helpless as everybody else does. Like I can definitely like, yeah, I'm out with people. uh, I'm like, uh, you know, going out for beers and stuff. The general underlying sentiment to most of the conversation that people have right now, at least in New York, and even the conversations I overhear around me when I'm just sitting in coffee shops and stuff is conversation about the election, about the current state of America, about Donald Trump. And um, so, and I can sense this very deep underlying uncertainty. And I definitely sense that too. However, there's a second layer of anxiety And I feel like that layer of anxiety is picked up through like social media and stuff like that. And so, and I don't have that anxiety. I'm like, certainly there's a lot of uncertainty, but I don't feel scared every day and stuff like that. Whereas, whereas right, right. some people I'll like, yeah, like meet up with a friend, a couple friends at like five thirty after work for a beer or whatever, six for beer. Like, Oh my God. On Twitter, I, yeah, I saw this thing, and then this person linked this thing and then this person retweeted this thing. And then this person, this thing on Facebook and then this other thing was this and then, Oh my God, can you believe? And then, then Landon Durham said this thing. And I was like, Whoa, I like <laughs> get stressed out listening to you be stressed out about being stressed yeah, about people that's being what stressed it feels out like to be
0: online. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it's time for many people to wean off Twitter, myself included, but you know how that went last time. (laughs) But it's hard. It's hard to be a part of. Hello? Hi. Hi. Okay. So you're on um,
1: my podcast that I do with my friend Owen. And we do it every week. I'll I'll tell you about it some other time. Um, And some relatively okay number of people listen to it. Anyway, um, we do this segment (laughs) every week where I randomly call someone in my phone book and we hope that they pick up. And then I ask them a question. And then they have kind of a minute or so to give us like an interesting, concise answer about that thing. But first, you have to say who you are and what you do.
2: Okay. Is that the moment
1: where that happens? Yep. All right.
2: Um, I'm Felicity Conrad. I am the founder and CEO of Paladin, which is a pro bono platform that connects lawyers with their communities.
1: Yep, yep, yep. It's super cool. Uh, We share a co-working space with um, them, which is how I know them. Anyway, um, so I was wondering if you could quickly summise or think about something interesting regarding kind of the, the big legal question that you think is going to be um, faced in the intersection of kind of um, law and technology um, and kind of socio society uh, in the next kind of 20 years or so.
2: Cool. Um, can I do a little bit of a take on that question um, instead of the biggest legal questions um, I think I'd rather talk about the biggest tech questions facing legal and, nice. and rule of law and democracy cool. which is particularly relevant right now
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: so in the last week that this has been kind of uprising post-election um, there's been kind of a huge movement for lawyers in the legal industry getting involved in protecting democracy and rule of law Um, and there's been a lot of questions coming up as to what is the role that tech plays in that because law hasn't, um, legal mobilization hasn't scaled and the tech tools are pretty far behind in that industry. Um, So in the last 72 hours, you see lawyers at airports all across the country and ACLU pairing up with Y Combinator um, to see if they can kind of streamline their operations and scale their impact to address some of the needs being faced or that might be faced in this administration. Hmm. Um, So I think it's really not necessarily what law can do for tech, but what tech can do for law, that's the open question that is really going to get answered, I think, in the next six months.
1: Cool. Good one. That's been one of the most interesting uh, takes on our question that we've had on the podcast. So thank you so much for your time, Felicity. Really appreciate it. Of course. All right. Love you, buddy. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Cool. Damn, we get better and better every week. Yeah, she's awesome. You
0: consistently deliver. All right. I think that's it. I did have one other thing I wanted to bring up. Have you tried that crazy, stupid in-browser founder game yet? It's amazing. I can't even.
1: I'm actually playing it right... I've been playing it the whole podcast.
0: What? Yeah. That's why you're like, what? I have
1: have (laughs) $60 billion cash. I'm generating... Oh, my God.
0: How long have you been playing for? I'm
1: generating uh 1.5 billion plus 8 billion annual reoccurring revenue from my companies i have what? expanded to every single region in the globe i have my my campus is maxed out i have every employee perks including cocktail lounge hover <laughs> carts gourmet chef modafinil uh company retreats life coaches egg freezing, fitness tracker, gym, VR, uh, gene therapy, couches, hive mind, vacation implants, uh, and employee buses.
0: Okay, so can you explain for the fans at home what this game is?
1: Okay, so there's this game on your browser, play. This person has created this game... Now, let me just one second here. F- remember what his name is. Francis, him or I don't know, gender gender neutral name. So Francis Tsang uh, has spent the last, like, I think it was two years. It was a Kickstarter creating a dystopian business simulator called The Founder. And it's a game about technology, power and profit. And you basically... You run a business you get like employees you task them with things you like have like to keep them happy simulator. and then like you, you go have to and make a- social networks yeah and then you like go in and you make tasks and then you know that little game that it makes you play when you launch a product
0: yeah yeah getting a market is that share
1: game called outside of the context of this game
0: what's well, it's like Catan or something or right yeah Oh, yeah, kind of like Katana, a little bit. Yeah, it's like you have to buy.
1: You like have little battles,
0: and then you get market share in the market, and you're
1: literally battling another company, and it has like a hardness, and you also it's a like you can destroy them. I cannot enough um, ever possibly convey without you playing this. How nuanced the game is, too. Like, it's so well thought out and it just keeps going. Oh, and there's so many more nuances. Like, when you're hiring an employee, it gives you like an if this, this, then that kind of value statement choices. Like, would you like to say, well, this is going to be a great company? Would you like to say, we're going to take over the world? <laughs> or would you like to say, we're focused on products? And that combination of things equals the percentage chance of the amount of salary that you've put in the box like percentage chance that you will accept that salary as you go on in the game you get like Um, social media managers and stuff, and you can snoop their their Twitter profiles, which does a sentiment analysis. (laughs) And then it gives you hints as to what code to put in to make them attracted to the job. And if you put the code in in the right order, no matter what amount you put in, it's 100% (laughs) acceptance of the job
0: oh that's hilarious and you can like have remote employees and you can it's crazy just play it us right totally this week. i want to hear from people who are completely addicted i challenge you I to am.
1: beat me i'm gonna put a screenshot
0: screenshot it and put it in slack. in
1: slack and i'll send it to you and maybe you can put it on your twitter or something but like i, I love it i'm at i'm at 17 billion dollars cash right now and i have maxed out everything so if you can come up behind me come at me I'm I'm down. I
0: love it. I'll put the link in the show notes. Speaking of the show notes, if you think that John is addicted to a stupid game, you can email <laughs> us at hello at chargepodcast dot com or hi at chargepodcast.com. Or you can tweet me at OW or at ChargeTech on Twitter. We're everywhere on the internet actually the other cool place that you can talk to us because i know you check it john is soundcloud yeah. you can actually comment directly on bits of this podcast and we can see it and then i'm like what's this and i listen so if you want to do that please do otherwise please rate us on itunes we love it when people do that we do read all the reviews and find it quite hilarious even if you want to give us a one-star review you can do it if you want <laughs> wow Please don't. <laughs> i love owen's like old nana
1: jewish guilt that he pulls out every week on the podcast you know if you want to give us Please one star us, you can you know it's something that you're able to do but just do what you want to do but don't do that okay but if you want to you can
0: the good lord is watching
1: <laughs> Book club. I think I've mentioned it before, but did I mention Why Nations Fail? If I have mentioned Why Nations Fail, I'm sorry I for mentioning so. it again. If I have not mentioned Why Nations Fail, Stop everything you're reading immediately. I don't even care if you have a rule that you have to finish a book before you start one. I don't even care if you have an order. I don't care if you're some crazy, crazy OCD person that's going to get hives in the morning because their book list is (laughs) out of order to what they promised themselves to do. Stop what you're reading and read this book. It is going to terrify you And excite you all together. It gives you a complete and interesting rundown of very many different areas of the creation and establishment of nations and societies and all the way through time. And it points to three very fundamental and interesting issues as to why, through and through history, without fail, nations society's economies have failed you should definitely the other it, thing i wanted to say is, while you were saying that is, is if
0: you do read a book and you like it please email us because we'd love to hear thoughts on books is, by the we way, talk about them every week
1: it is a long ass book and it is really boring but <laughs> like you should read it you're selling it please
0: all right i'll put it in the show notes and we'll see if anybody does it all right john chargepodcast.com is the place to go if you want things like that. But otherwise, we'll hang out next week. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to hang out with you, I man. Am. See you next week. Till next week. Bye.